This is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is the podcast version of an article that I wrote for bodyhunter.cc, mitigating food cravings and weight gain when quitting smoking. And if you or someone who matters to you is trying to quit smoking, you're going to want to forward this article to them because it could really help them. So my rather attractive research assistant began working on this article around her second week without a cigarette. And as she watched dozens of YouTube vlogs and perused hundreds of anecdotal reports on forums, she became increasingly alarmed that it seemed like almost everybody who quits smoking gets at least a little fat. None of the choices seemingly presented were very appealing. She could quit smoking and lose her thin, girlish figure or continue smoking, stay thin, but eventually suffer for years with a disease like lung cancer or emphysema. Kind of a depressing dichotomy, especially if you've been smoking for years or decades. And her dilemma makes me thankful that I was born and raised in a very health-conscious state of Colorado, where smoking cigarettes kind of makes you a social pariah. A little bit of social ostracization sure works well to incentivize good health decisions. As opposed to one of the countries where I've lived where not smoking cigarettes often makes you the social pariah. But there's some good news here. And this is that you don't have to get fat as a side effect of quitting smoking. And this podcast will thoroughly explain several biohacks and life hacks that will make your metabolism great again if you're willing to apply a modicum of discipline and attention for a period of three to six months, you can avoid the undesirable weight gain while kicking this most kick-worthy of bad habits. First, let's talk about why you get fat when you quit smoking. If you eat the same as you did, when you are smoking, your body will end up using less and storing more as fat of the food you're consuming. This is because nicotine, a couple of reasons here, nicotine suppresses the appetite and causes the liver to release glycogen, which raises blood sugar slightly. With nicotine out of your system, you may feel hungry more often. Smoking artificially elevates heart rate and increases metabolism. When you stop smoking, your body has to readjust to a lower metabolic rate. Smoking also dulls the taste buds. Food begins to taste better to new non-smokers, and they're like, hey, this is amazing. I should eat more and more and more. And then they're just, you know, they're like the person passed out, surrounded by donut crumbs. And then maybe there's oral fixation unless you're like a 
workaholic porn star. You may find yourself eating and snacking all day compulsively just to fill the void left after quitting smoking. Which sounds like a really bad joke, I know, but I actually used to hang out with porn stars and they all smoked, so oral fixation may be a real thing, who knows. So first of all, I'd like to talk about supplementing nicotine. Most of the weight gain happens as a result of going off nicotine. So don't go off the nicotine. You don't have to smoke to get nicotine. You can supplement nicotine with nicotine lozenges, nicotine patches, a little uh, nicotine spray bottle, liquid nicotine USB drops. This is actually my personal favorite. Or nicotine gum. It sure doesn't taste pleasant, but nicotine is actually a real smart drug that powerfully stimulates creativity and focus. Scientists debate whether nicotine itself is actually carcinogenic. It's likely that the hundreds of other chemical toxins being burnt in cigarettes and tobacco are what actually causes the cancer. If nicotine is carcinogenic, however, it's still definitely a lower health risk than obesity. You probably know that if you go cold turkey off nicotine, you'll likely have lifelong nicotine cravings anytime you see anyone light up. And this is something that it makes almost every social evening an exercise in willpower for you, which doesn't sound very fun, does it? And this is why I think it's a really good idea to reprogram your neurobiological nicotine pathway by getting your nicotine from an alternative source for in between three to six months, and or in between two to six months. This is what I did, and it really did work. I managed to quit smoking successfully, and I don't have cravings now when I see other people light up a cigarette, even if I've been drinking. If you notice that you're still gaining undesirable weight despite nicotine supplementation, you could try switching to vaping. And I really can't say that vaping is quote-unquote healthy, but it's certainly better than smoking cigarettes or being obese. And vaping, while more expensive than smoking cigarettes, is certainly a hell of a lot cheaper than lung cancer or emphysema. It can be an effective way to taper down your nicotine intake while you instill other positive habits. Let's talk now about lifestyle because lifestyle matters. If you fail to plan healthy lifestyle changes concurrently, you can plan on failing and quitting smoking. If you hope to successfully quit smoking, you need to be very strict about your diet and fitness for three to six months. And a couple of gym rats on bodybuilding.com have some insights here. Quote, I began both my workouts, clean eating and quitting smoking on the same day. I am down from 233 to 209 in the past two months. 
you will have much better strength and will see pretty good improvements with your cardio in a couple of weeks after you quit. I never saw a weight gain as I started a very healthy diet of whole foods, veggies, poultry, and fish. And then another guy advises staying busy. I have quit smoking well numerous times, but this time is it. I have been smoke-free for nine weeks and have not gained any weight. You just have it in your head that when you want some food, when you have a craving, just don't do it. Practice discipline. Keep yourself busy and take some deep breaths because cravings go away faster than you think they will. And not everyone who quits gains weight. Some lose weight, actually. I don't have any personal experience, but from what I've seen with my friends who quit, those who watched what they ate stayed the same or lost weight. Those who didn't gained. Another anecdote, I am quitting smoking, I am on the patches, but I don't really gain weight. I've been losing weight, I just decided to change the way I eat overall. I try to eat clean foods and think that what I eat is what I am. When I smoke, it's putting nasty toxins into my body and makes me feel nasty. Don't get me wrong, I still have one from time to time. I normally bring something to munch on with me to work during the day. I don't take breaks and go outside to smoke. Instead, I eat carrots, zanahorias, or eat something healthy. It's also advisable, perhaps, perhaps, I'll explain more later, it's advisable perhaps to snack healthily and frequently. Quote, I've been trying to quit smoking for months now. I have noticed that it makes it easier to lose fat slash put on muscle if you eat cleanly. I don't know if it's the fact that I breathe better and therefore do more cardio-wise or if my body just functions more efficiently or what. I think that people just eat a lot more in place of smoking and that's why it's commonly thought to cause weight gain. I find that I snack rather than smoking, but I keep my food really clean so it ends up working for me. Let's discuss snacking some more here. And I have a caveat, which is, the snacking is a double-edged sword when it comes to quitting. Snacking can relieve some cravings, but snacking can, of course, also result in weight gain. If you're going to snack, you need to commit to burning those calories. Get on the exercise bike, hit the weights, try some Bikram yoga, or take a cardio class. Snacking on junk food is an absolute no-no while quitting. It's crucial to plan your snacking as opposed to just impulsively purchasing snacks at a gas station or grocery store checkout aisle. Those those are just the worst. Those are just the worst places ever. What I suggest is picking up a week supply of raw or whole nuts, some berries, carrots, raw coconut or 80% or greater dark chocolate, 80% greater cacao dark chocolate. And sorry, 
that tasty dried fruit is not a healthy snack. It just has way too much fructose in it. It's, it's not much healthier than a Snickers bar, truth be told. Actually, any healthy snack, any quote-unquote healthy snack that contains much sugar is not. So you want to check those nutrition facts diligently. Some more insights from successful quitters. 20 minutes of cardio can really help. October 11th will be my one-year anniversary as a non-smoker. After 15 years of two packs a day, I did not gain a pound. If you increase your cardio by 20 minutes, it makes up for the loss of metabolism. Smoking increases your metabolism by 7%, so an extra 20 minutes on the treadmill will make up for this. If you do this, you won't gain weight unless you go nuts eating, but with the extra cardio, it'll help to curb your appetite as well. And then there's a three-pronged strategy that I'll share with you here. Smoking reduces metabolism by 10%. It Apparently, there's some, there's some debate on this for a few months. It's not permanent though. During those few months, you can do three things guaranteed to raise metabolism to compensate for that 10%, possibly even push you over that. One is lift weights. You want lean muscle. It takes approximately 50 calories to feed a pound of muscle. Muscle's favorite food is your body fat. By the way, it takes about seven calories to feed a pound of fat. Interesting. Number two, eat smaller meals. It's called TEF, that stands for thermogenic effect of food. Digesting food takes energy. The very act of eating keeps metabolism raised. And then number three is to drink green tea. So they recommend seven to ten cups of caffeinated green tea or one green tea extract pill equivalent will raise metabolism by about 4% over 24 hours. It's also a powerful antioxidant and antifungal and possesses anti-carcinogenic properties. The extract must be standardized, however, to 60% polyphenols to be effective. Wedge do you want some? My advice to you is that you need to stay focused on your smoking cessation and do what you gotta do to stay quit first and foremost. The best way to counteract the effects of quitting is to increase your exercise and try to build some muscles with weight training. This woman found that chewing gum can actually take the place of food. I haven't had a cigarette since January 11th. In the beginning, I substituted food and gained 20 pounds. My new substitute for nicotine now is sugarless gum. I did feel really hungry at first, but that feeling soon went away. This guy strongly recommends cardio exercise. Quote, I started running again and slowly started losing the weight I gained too. Now I'm back to my smoker's weight, but without the heavy lungs. Running and jogging plus a healthy diet is the best bet at losing the weight. I'm gonna disagree with this guy's approach just a bit. Running and jogging 
is, in my view, an unacceptably risky way to burn calories. When you inevitably sprain your ankles or injure your knees, then you'll be stuck on the couch for weeks or months, just plumping up, gaining a little bit of weight, getting um, you know, a little bit unhealthy and generally being kind of uh, miserable and, and hating life there on the couch. I think it's a lot safer to ride a bike, go swimming, or practice yoga. Next, I want to talk about green tea and cinnamon. This, I'm telling you, is the beverage of quitters. There's good anecdotal and clinical evidence that drinking several cups of this daily will really help your endeavor to improve your health. In a Brazilian clinical trial, after four weeks on an adaptive diet, 36 obese women took part and were divided into four groups. One was a placebo, uh, no, one was a green tea group, two was a placebo group, three was green tea plus resistance training, and four was placebo plus resistance training. The study was double-blinded and placebo-controlled. The purpose was to evaluate the effects of green tea consumption and resistance training on body composition and resting metabolic rate in overweight or obese women. The results were that green tea combined with resistance training maximized loss of body fat, waist circumference, and triglyceride levels along with increasing lean body mass and muscle strength. In a Taiwanese study from 2016, the objective was to assess the effect and safety of high-dose green, green tea extract at a daily dosage on weight reduction and changes of lipid profile and obesity-related hormone peptide in women with central obesity. In total, 115 women were examined and for 12 weeks were randomly assigned to either a high-dose green tea group or placebo group. After the treatment finished, researchers concluded that high-dose green tea extract resulted in significant weight loss, reduced waist circumference, and a consistent decrease in total cholesterol and LDL plasma levels without any side effects or adverse effects in women with central obesity. A Pakistani clinical study examined whether cinnamon improves blood glucose, triglyceride, total cholesterol, HDL cholesterol, and LDL cholesterol groups in people with type 2 diabetes. 60 adults were divided randomly into six groups. Three of those groups were given cinnamon and three received placebo. The results indicated that the patients who supplemented cinnamon had their blood sugar improved and insulin spikes re reduced, which is implicated in weight loss. This British randomized crossover trial evaluated a group of people who took five grams of cinnamon two hours before the oral glucose tolerance test. The researchers concluded that cinnamon may be useful for control of blood sugar as well as improving insulin sensitivity. They also mentioned that the effects of cinnamon on blood sugar were immediate and appeared to be sustainable for up to 12 hours. Yet another study that supports the use of cinnamon for weight 
loss. A Swedish study published in 2009 assessed the effect of consuming one and three grams of cinnamon and the effect it had on post-meal blood glucose and insulin release. The researchers found that there was a relation between the amount of cinnamon consumed and the level of insulin reaction after a meal. Users on johnstonfitness.com talked about cinnamon's effect on their body. This concoction I'd love to try. I started drinking a glass of green tea with a teaspoon of cinnamon powder, a teaspoon of honey, and seven to ten drops of lemon juice. And I lost five and a half pounds this week as opposed to three per week. And I also think I ate more crappy foods this week than normal. And cinnamon green tea also helped this guy lose weight. I started drinking green tea over the past week, mostly plain a few times with cinnamon. I didn't change my eating exercise plan at all, yet I lost more weight this week than the past three weeks. Maybe there really are some weight loss benefits associated with drinking green tea. Yet another woman found cinnamon extinguished her food cravings. Just reporting on my weight loss from taking cinnamon. I lost another one pound yesterday. I've only been doing this for two days now, but it really seems to be working. Also, it seems to be helping me concentrate better. I really believe that this will help all of us on this diet. I have not craved any sweets at all, which is amazing. Cinnamon green tea is a total no-brainer if you're a quitter trying to stay skinny. There's two ways to drink it. First is to boil water and add the green tea packet along with a pinch or two of cinnamon and then let it sit and cool for like three minutes before drinking. And actually, as I was just mentioning, with, with cinnamon, I, you, you can... You can do a little bit or you can kind of, you know, really dump some in there. With my coffee, I like, I, I've never measured out exactly how much cinnamon I add to my coffee, but I, I add quite a bit because I really do like the taste of cinnamon. And hey, cinnamon is good for you. It's, uh, it, it's totally non-toxic. You can take a lot of it. However, some people might not really be crazy about the taste and they can just do, they can just do a little pinch. So what you might want to do actually, because green tea and cinnamon is something that so many people are praising as really helping them with their food cravings. You might want to experiment a little bit, like one day do a bunch of cinnamon in your green tea and see if it makes much of a difference in your food cravings. And then the next day do just a little, just a little bit of a pinch, just a little bit of green of cinnamon. And you might find that there's a difference between some and a lot or you might find that it's about the same you kind of just okay, you got to experiment something about overdosing on cinnamon that about overdosing on cinnamon yeah it may cause nose bleedings nosebleeds yeah nosebleeds really mm-hmm. well if, okay so if you if you if you start getting nosebleeds then you want to cut down i think the last time i had a nosebleed I was in Colombia.
The second way that you might want to take, that you might want to do your cinnamon green tea is you fill a glass bottle with water before bed and then add some cinnamon. And then, and of course you put the green tea bag in the glass water and then you leave in the, in the refrigerator overnight. And in the morning you'll have some nice chilled tea to enjoy. And what I'll do sometimes is I'll reuse a fancy Voss water bottle. And this just makes me feel rich. Personally, I've drank copious amounts of green tea daily for the past six years. I've drank plenty of the fancy organic stuff and plenty of the cheap stuff. And I really can't tell any difference between the two. So just... Uh, whatever you're doing, just start drinking more green tea today, which is what I'm about to do when I finish recording this. Let's talk now about reducing caloric intake. One of the most consistent and effective ways to mitigate weight gain is, unsurprisingly, eating less. I'll share some life hacks for making calorie restriction a lot less arduous. But first, let's discuss the science a little bit. An American 12-month randomized placebo-controlled trial conducted from 2005 to 2009 examined the effect of diet and exercise alone or combined on weight and body composition, totaling 439 women. So wow, that's an impressive study. It was four years and over 400 women. That's like that's like a huge study. So this is statistically quite significant. And so these were postmenopausal and had overweight to obese body types. The dietary intervention was evaluated by weight loss and monitoring frequency of session attendance. Exercise participants tracked their activities in a daily exercise log that was reviewed on a weekly basis by the exercise physiologist. In the end of the study, researchers observed significant improvement in the women's lifestyle as well as weight loss. In many ways, life is a stark contrast between two options. The first is temporary discomfort for yourself now. Second option is arduous long-term suffering later for yourself and those closest to you. And oddly, the majority of people choose suffering later over a little discomfort now. If you're in the minority who are smart enough to choose discomfort now, caloric restriction is for you. So let's talk about life hacking caloric restriction. In this article, I sure love anecdotes of quitters who address their cravings by eating a lot or snacking frequently. This clearly works for some people, but unless you're going to do a lot of exercise, it's probably not a great idea. Most people should try to eat less, especially when quitting smoking. So fasting is a health practice that is increasingly found by researchers and biohacking practitioners 
to be seriously beneficial to health. It's also the best way to decrease caloric intake. And there's two fasting strategies you'll want to implement. The first is intermittent daily fasting. The goal here is to every day do all your eating within an eight hour window. The other 16 hours of the day you don't eat. Most biohackers skip breakfast, eat a late lunch, and a big filling dinner. At first you'll really miss breakfast, but after a while you will love the time spent and the money saved and you really won't miss breakfast very much. And then the second fasting strategy is 24 hour fasting. About once a month go 24 hours without a meal or food. Drink a lot of water, tea, or juice. It's easier to fast from one lunch to the next. The first time you do this, you'll get quite uncomfortable and hungry, but subsequent 24-hour fasts really are a walk in the park. And this Brit on longevity.com found resistant starch crucial in fighting weight gain after quitting smoking. I think resistant starch is a big part of making me feel full and sometimes add some spoonfuls of pectin brown or whatever before my big meal, which is breakfast. I have systemically trained myself to want only one proper meal a day at lunch and tea, quote unquote. I don't have very much. Good feeling satisfying foods for me are potatoes, eggs, vegetables, fruit, vegetables, green beans, peppers, tomatoes, mushrooms, dried fruit, and oats. I can feel as if I'm eating quite a lot by piecing my intake together from the above types of food and by taking spoonfuls of resistant starch and fibers. An American found that meals of satiating food mitigate cravings. What worked for me is large satiating meals of low calorie density foods so your stomach stretch sensors go off with a lesser calorie load. Stuff yourself with what initially appeared to be insane amounts of low caloric density foods like salads, vegetables, and soup, and no drinking calories, fatty dressings, creamy soups, or avocado nut binges, and you'll simply feel full long after you can tackle any diet breakers. I would not recommend stuffing yourself with nutritionally vapid foods, but it's better than relapsing and smoking a cigarette or chowing on junk food. So if you're a person that is just really struggling with the with with the food cravings and the cigarette cravings at the same time and you're relapsing and you're just spiraling into self loathing then yeah you might want to do what some of these people are saying that they're doing which is that they're they're just picking a lot of uh foods that give them something to eat at all so that their so that their mouth is not is not idle idle mouths are the devil's mouthpiece i don't know next let's discuss appetite suppressants this is a much smarter way to deal with 
food cravings. And there's, uh, uh, of course, there's all sorts of weird pharmacological appetite suppressants out there, but there's some, there's some natural ones as well that, you, that I'll direct your attention to. First of all is coffee. I'm a big fan of bulletproof style coffee with the butter mixed in it and you blend high quality butter with your coffee and this feeds your body just what it needs to enter a fat burning ketogenic state for several hours. But even non-buttered black coffee will distract you from wanting to eat and quality really matters with coffee. It's better not to drink it if you can't get the really good stuff in your cup. If you add a bunch of sugary additives to coffee, it destroys the nutritional benefit. You want to drink it, drink it black, or as I prefer, an, an Americano. An Americano double is actually my my drink that I that I order almost 100% of the time when I'm at a cafe. If you're stimulant or caffeine sensitive, decaf coffee is also an effective appetite suppressant. Next appetite suppressant I'll direct your attention to because I know some people out there really hate coffee. It's apple cider vinegar. And I recommend add a bit of this very tangy cider to your tea or beverages to mitigate food cravings. A 12-month placebo-controlled study conducted in Japan recently investigated the effects of vinegar intake on the reduction of body fat mass in obese people. They were randomly divided into three groups of similar body weight. Two of them took vinegar and the third one administered placebo. Researchers concluded that daily intake of vinegar might be useful in the prevention of metabolic syndrome by reducing obesity. Appetite suppressants certainly worked for this Philadelphian. I like appetite suppressants. Coffee can be useful as a low-calorie drink that might provide a little appetite suppression. I lost a quarter of my body weight over the years and now seem to have no problem keeping it off. And interestingly, personally, I have a bit of an a bit of a bit of an admission to make, which is that for the past five years now, I have honestly not been all that disciplined about my about my aerobic exercise about doing exercise that burns calories i've kind of gone through different phases where i do like some jogging here and there or i'd hit the gym there here and there or go to different dance classes or whatever but i haven't been really consistent and good about my uh, about my burning of calories. What I have been consistent about, though, is drinking a lot of high-quality coffee. And coffee just puts me in this real... It's, it's a nootropic, of course, and it makes me real focused on what I'm doing, and it makes me able to kind of ignore my own desire to eat. And so I end up eating less. I very rarely have a real breakfast. And instead, I'll usually just work into the early or mid afternoon and then finally have a lunch and then have dinner. And so coffee, if you drink, again, if you're drinking the good stuff and not putting a bunch of crap in it, it really can be a quite good way to 
decrease your caloric intake. And the moral of the story is that I haven't gained any weight. I will occasionally go on Facebook and I'll take a look at peers and friends of mine that were that I grew up with and many of them are getting a bit chubby and I really am just about the same slenderness that I've always been and I think that has a lot to do with my uh, my consumption habits especially when it comes to that bitter dark nectar. Next let's talk about supplementing resveratrol. The anti-aging supplement resveratrol might help. This guy reported that it suppresses acute hunger. I figured out that I could use resveratrol as a hunger control tool. Now instead of taking one gram in the morning on an empty stomach, I just get up and eat my mono meal for the day. Then later, when hunger comes, I take my resveratrol. Today, I took one gram during intense hunger around 2 p.m. It killed my hunger in minutes, replacing it with that slightly nauseous feeling that you get when you overeat. I went from dreaming about bread and butter the way that most guys dream about porn stars to, hmm, let's hit the weights and get to work. Resveratrol also seemed to work for weight loss for this lady on longevity.com. I've been on resveratrol for a week now. With it, I've lost two pounds this week, which is fast for me. A poster reported on SethRoberts.net. Resveratrol has a very, very strong and fast effect on appetite with little to no downside. And I've found, I started taking it for life extension reasons, as well as its anti-cancer and adaptogenic properties and soon noticed that my hunger and appetite had shifted. What was your experience with nicot with resveratrol thus far? Have you tried it? Yeah, I have. Mm -hmm. I've been taking one a day. Usually at lunchtime. <clears throat> Any effect on food cravings? Mm, well, when I'm at work, I feel hungry almost all the time because it's really boring. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm not hungry exactly. I'm just bored. Mm -hmm. So I really try not to eat. Or if I have something, it's usually either some cucumber or a carrot. <clears throat> Why don't you try increasing the dosage of resveratrol? Take two of those little caps. See if it has an effect on on food cravings. Although I, I do I do believe you that you're probably quite bored and. I am. That's why I've been reading a lot. In a 2011 Dutch randomized double-blind crossover trial, 11 healthy obese men were treated with placebo and 100 and, uh, 100 and 150 milligrams daily of resveratrol for 30 days. Resveratrol significantly reduced sleeping and resting metabolic rate. Eventually, it turned out that resveratrol supplementation induces metabolic changes in obese humans mimicking the effects of calorie restriction. 
So the point here is that resveratrol has about the same effect on your body as the fasting strategies I mentioned earlier. If you're not going to fast, resveratrol is not a bad idea, but keep in mind that resveratrol counteracts the effects of exercise. You don't want to exercise and take resveratrol within about 24 hours of each other. I will also mention supplementing vitamin C and a B vitamin complex. These two vitamins balance out common deficiencies that underlie dysfunctional metabolism. Some people on bodybuilding.com reported. I also bought liquid B complex and vitamin C this morning. After I took both, I felt a million times better. It totally makes sense for me now. If smoking takes away your vitamin C, then adding some may help you feel better. As for the B complex, it aids in energy metabolism, fatigue, etc. So if when quitting your metabolism drops a bit and your blood sugar levels get lower than the B complex, the B complex should help regulate things a bit. I think that's what it did for me. I still feel a little bloated, but not as bad as yesterday. I think I will try to add an extra day of cardio to get rid of some of this water weight. I was a smoker for almost 30 years and smoked a pack and a half a day. I quit cold turkey. I didn't want to gain weight, so that's when I first joined a gym and started lifting. Before that, I was just working out at home and walking. The first two weeks or so were hard, but then the craving stopped and it got better. I found it helped to have a piece of gum after a meal or any time I wanted a cigarette, really. I only gained about four pounds the whole first year I quit. That was 13 years ago. Your metabolism does slow down when you first quit smoking. However, if you keep working out and eating right, the weight will come back off. And I'm just going to summarize seven points here because I realized I went over quite a few different anecdotes and pieces of research. So if you're just a bit confused, you're about to be, have the matter clarified for you. To summarize, number one, supplement nicotine from an alternative source. I recommend doing that for two to six months. You, you, don't, have to, you don't have to do that forever. Number two, plan to change your diet for in between three to six months. Plan to be quite strict on your diet for three to six months. Thirdly, is you want to fast to decrease your caloric intake. Fourth is consume appetite suppressing beverages like green tea with cinnamon. Fifth is pick up a week's supply of a couple different healthy snacks. Sixth is exercise consistently, hit the weights, sweat, and try to get in about 20 minutes of cardio at least a couple times a week. And finally, number seven is that it's a real good idea to supplement vitamin C along with a B complex. And this is a follow-up to another article that I did, seven nootropics that make quitting smoking a breeze, which you are definitely going to want to check out if you're kind of struggling with willpower while trying to quit. If, if you're a person that if you're honest with yourself, you don't have great willpower, then 
you're going to want to check out some of these nootropics because they really do make a difference, sometimes fast. Anyways, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and because I personally managed to quit smoking using some of these strategies discussed here, and I've had some friends that I've helped to quit smoking, this, this is an issue that's kind of near to my heart because I really do think it's just one of the most idiotic and self-destructive yet insidious bad habits you can have. So I'd love to have a continued conversation with you about what you're doing to quit smoking if you endeavor to be, like me, a successful quitter. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.